Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, good morning. It's great to be together this morning with everyone. And, uh, you know, with all that said this morning, I want to get right into it. Uh, we have a lot of verses that I want to cover, a lot of scriptures to get through. It's quite a chunk of the letter here of the Apostle John. And so we've been in this series called Letters from a Friend. Say, Letters from a Friend. And how many have been enjoying this? How many online have been enjoying this? Is there like an emoji you can put, like a raised hand? Um, it's, I just really love the perspective of the Apostle John. He just really seems to be someone who gets the heart of the Father. I believe he really understands what it means to uh, not just love God, but for allowing him to love you. He had this relationship with Jesus for three and a half years of earthly ministry where he just, I believe, felt the physical, if not emotional as well, embrace of Jesus. And how many know that Jesus came to show us who the Father is? And so we have this beautiful dynamic that John was able to experience. But here we see John, he's probably a good, he's probably in his 80s, a lot of scholars would say. And so he's lived this full life of relationship with Jesus. And so, you know, he's dealing with, with this infiltration into these churches in Asia Minor that he has started and helped build a false doctrine. And what's happening is it's taking the focus off of the simplicity of the gospel and making it about things like superior knowledge, how much I know. Uh, it's making it about these, these experiences. You know, one's experience is better than another's. And it's really, to be honest, it's trying to achieve this like ascension to heaven, if you will, uh, through these avenues. And so we see the Apostle John here. He's dealing with this quite a bit. And he also sees some issues here in the church resulting from this when it comes to the believers he's writing to. And so I want to pick up here in verse 7 of 1 John chapter 2. Now, if you want to follow along here, you can do so on your Version app. Or how many actually, do you have one of those paper books called the Bible? Look at these guys. Look at three guys with real Bibles. Well, the rest of us digitites, we're going to uh, pull it up there. And we have the notes available for you. But I want to start in verse 7 here. He says, Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have heard, or which he says, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. Look at verse 8. On the other hand, see, on the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. I believe... One translation says already blazing. Now, we've talked about this before, but this idea of darkness and light. I believe what John's saying is there's an, an ignorance or an unknowing that is passing away, but there's this revelation or understanding that's already shining. It's already been here since Jesus showed up on planet Earth. Verse 9, the one who says he is in the light, listen to this, and yet hates his brother, is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. 
But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness, and look at this, walks in the darkness, or ignorance, we could say, and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Wow. Now, in this next section, it's a bunch of repetition, but I want us to get the flow of what John's saying. He says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Look, at he continues. I've written to you, children, because you know the father. I've written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Now, I already told you that we're continuing a series called Letters from a Friend, but the title for today's message is this, The Darkness That Blinds Us, The Light That Binds Us. I want to talk about this today, the darkness that blinds us versus the light that binds us. Now, let's jump right back into it here and just kind of pull some of this apart and and try to see what Grandpa John, the Apostle John, is trying to tell us. Verse 7, he says, Beloved, I am not writing, pick that up, I am not writing a new commandment to you, which is to say, I believe I'm not going to give into this idea that we need something new. That's very prevalent right now in the churches, and I'm not trying to say that you need something more than Jesus, something more than the simple gospel He goes on to say, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. Do you realize that this this love thing, how many know the commandment we talked about last week? This is my commandment that you what? Love one another. Do you know this isn't something new? Even when you look at the old covenant, when you look at the law, this is really interesting to me, all through the law, it spells out love. See, when you live by the letter of the law, you're trying to abide by rules and regulations to almost get you to look as if you're in a loving manner. It's bringing you to this place of love. But see, in the new covenant, this new way, the law of love is sown into our heart. So when, when everything we do, which how many know we're on a journey, everything we do isn't always in love. I'll be the first to say that. But when we're living out of this love, guess what? All commandments, all rules, all things are just fulfilled. It's like love just does that. So I believe that the law was moving us to love. So what he's saying is, listen, guys, this is not something brand new that I'm writing you. It's an old commandment, which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. But look at this. On the other hand, say on the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you. A new perspective on what always has been. Do you follow this? He says, which is true in him. Who's him? Jesus, right? And in, look at this, you. That's a powerful statement. Because it doesn't take long to rummage through the internet or, you know, piles upon piles of messages to find out how bad and evil and wrong you are. But John's saying that this commandment, this love, it's true in not just him, but it's true in you. There's something to get from this. He says, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So it's, to me, it's showing, showing this journey, right? But what's interesting here is this word, 
beloved in the Greek means esteemed, favorite, and worthy of love. So I love that John here, when he's addressing them on this situation, because there's some pretty heavy language in here, he's starting out by saying, hey, listen, I just want, want to remind you that you are highly esteemed, that you're favored, and that you're worthy of love. How many know that if we don't feel worthy of love, we won't receive love? It's just the truth, right? And if we can't receive love, guess what we can't give away? Love. And so it's this thing that's reciprocal, right? So I'd like to say it like this, you be loved. But what is John saying here? He's, he's, it could kind of be confusing. He, is this an old or a new commandment? Well, this is an old, but also a new, or I should say now a new commandment. Remember Jesus said this, this is my commandment, that you love one another, how? Just as I have loved you. And I believe that even in the old covenant, God was setting up this way of what love looks like so they then could, what, reciprocate what he's already given to them. And so it's the old and the new. Now, we're not trying to mix covenants. You don't want to do that. But the whole, my, my whole thing is the whole perception and perspective for all time was love. It never changed. Right? Old is, it was kind of the idea of you must love. Whereas the new is, I believe you will love just like I've loved you. Let me put it this way. God's call for us to love humanity has always been, it always will be, and it will never change. So I think whatever we do and we say, and this is something even in my own life that I have to work on daily. I mean, how many ever noticed that it's the hardest to love those who are closest to you? You can take them for granted. Uh, you, you can get too familiar with them. And so they can be the brunt of so many things that you're going through emotionally. So this is definitely a journey. But I want us to see here that this, in this journey that love is the basis, the foundation of all of it. Look at verse 9. He says, the one who says he is in the light. In other words, I get Jesus. I follow Jesus. I understand. And yet hates his brother is in the darkness. I like how he adds until now. In other words, I'm going to shine some light on this so you can have a little bit of perception of what's going on in your life. Now, this phrase here, the one who says, or some translations say whoever says, John has used this phrase quite often in this letter so far. I really believe he's drawing to the surface these confusing claims by these Christian communities. I mean, they're making claims that are relationally inconsistent. In other words, they're saying one thing with their mouths, follow me here, but their actions are reflecting something entirely different. See, it's one thing to say to someone, I love you. It's another to act out, act upon, or show that you love them. How many know we've heard this before, but actions speak louder than words? And so sometimes in this process, we may start out with I love yous, and that's great, a great place to start. But when will that manifest into actions? And again, we're all on a journey. It, it, it happens at different times along the journey in different ways. I was just talking to a friend of mine a couple days ago, and they had mentioned that both their pastor and they heard another local pastor um, who had told their congregations that they had been looking at and watching their social media. I've been watching your social media and the things that you are saying say, whoa. 
If you knew your pastor was looking at your social media, what would you put? If you, if you, if you knew that God saw what you were posting, anyway, I digress. But both these pastors, completely different denominations and flows from each other and even us, you know what they told their congregations? Stop it. And I think I've said that quite often, but maybe in a little bit nicer way. I don't know. Maybe not. But the point is, we need to stop it. When it really boils down to it, if we are followers of Jesus, how many here would say I'm a follower of Jesus? Come on, give me some emojis online. How many are followers of Jesus? I, listen, I, I believe this. I believe that you're here this morning, whether it's online or here, you're, you're here because you're a follower of Jesus. You love Jesus. You love your Father. You're, you want to grow in hearing the voice of Holy Spirit. I, I, I truly believe that. But if we're followers of Jesus, and Jesus lives in and through us, you would think that our actions and our words would sometimes look differently than they do. Can I get one amen? I'm speaking to myself too. There's times where I'm like, huh, I don't think that was Jesus talking. That was me and my own selfishness at that point, my own ego, right? And so we all deal with this as, as we're growing in this walk. But again, you would think that our actions and our words would line up with this Jesus guy that we profess to follow. Anyway, enough said about that. I believe that the Apostle John's point here was this. If you knew Jesus like I knew Jesus, if you had real life relationship with Jesus, I mean, you really knew him, you understood his love for humanity, you wouldn't be saying these things. You wouldn't be doing these things. Listen, I'm not trying to be super hard on anyone this morning. I, I think sometimes I just really want the church to reflect Jesus. And, and sometimes we, we use this pulpit, we use this opportunity where we could be speaking life into people for agendas, for politics for our, our own ways of thinking. And I found in my own life, because I don't want you to think for a second that I'm trying to call people out. In my own life, I've had some radical transitions. Ask my wife. We were just talking the other day about just simple little things that we used to believe that we've, we, you take the good, right, and you keep it, but then you have to move on in the journey. But where we were two and four and six years ago, Reflecting on almost laughing about, you know, conversations we had going, okay, wait, wait, I'm, I'm seeing things differently right now. Wow, this is radically changing my life. That's what the kingdom does. I'm talking about the kingdom, not, not man-made religion or theology or someone's idea of a flat reading of the Bible. I'm talking about what Jesus says and really what he did or what he does and what he's doing through us and us being open enough to to get outside of the boxes that we've been indoctrinated in to say, okay, maybe there's more, Jesus. I'm open to hear your voice, not just a man's voice. Now, listen, I think we all carry different pieces of the revelation pie, so to speak. 
And so we can glean from anybody. I can sit at a table with people who I disagree with 70% or more of their doctrine, but there's things in there that I can learn from them because they have a piece of that revelation pie. Never, never sell yourself short by, you know, staying away from certain people. Does that make sense? Or the ways that they believe. Because that's easy to do. When, when, you, when you shift your thinking, when you step into a new paradigm, it's easy to almost put up a wall between us and them. And that's not kingdom either. I don't know why I said all that this morning. Maybe someone needed to hear that. But again, I love what my good buddy says, Jake Stringer. He says, you know, agreement should never equal friendship. I mean, if you're a friend with somebody, you don't defriend them. Is that the proper word? You don't defriend them because you disagree. You find, common, you find commonality with each other, right? I mean, most marriages probably don't agree on everything. My wife and I don't agree on everything, and she knows I'm right most of the time, but, you know, I'm only saying it because it's my birthday weekend. Get away with it. Next week, it's back to her being right all the time. But, but, but my point is, agreement shouldn't equal friendship. So I really believe that John's saying, if you knew Jesus like I knew him, you just wouldn't be saying things like this. You wouldn't be doing things or acting like this. You see, so far in this letter, we've heard a lot about others in this letter, right? But today, for us and for whoever was reading this at any point in history from this letter, today it gets real. It's going to hit close to home because we actually have to ask ourselves some questions that are really, really important. John is asking them, and I believe asking us individually through this letter, where are you in your love walk? Where are you in your love walk? Now, he says something here that's interesting. He says, the one who says that he is in the light and yet hates, strong word, right? Hates his brother is in the darkness until now. So it begs the question, who is this brother? I mean, who, who is the brother that he's talking about here? Now, I love this in the mirror translation. Just listen to this for a second. He says, to feel justified in your judgment to dislike a fellow human is to continue in darkness, even if you might claim to be in the light. This place of illumination is not cheap talk. Listen to this. It immediately translates into seeing your brother differently. How is brother defined? Brother refers to all men and women. This isn't just people in the church. Let me ask you this. Who's your father? Anyone know? We say God, right? A Jew might say Yahweh, right? That word father that Jesus uses in the original language is the word pater, which means source or origin. Let me ask you this. Is there anyone on this planet living at any point in history that just poof was here? Or was it God who created that person? So who's the origin of all? So John, I, we really got to see this because I think sometimes it's, it's easy to love the guy in the, the, in the pew or the seat next to you because, you know, they believe what you believe for the most part. But what about the person outside the building? See, that we're called to, to love radically, my friends. I mean, this, he's not pulling any punches. 
In other words, we need to love all of mankind. You see, we can't pick and choose who we get to love. Not according to the Apostle John, not according to Jesus, right? So again, can you love the person in your church? Yeah. How about this? Can you love the person outside of the church congregation? See, to me, I believe it's both. So John's been, he's been addressing all these misunderstandings and he's been hearing of people saying that they are friends of Jesus, that they walk in the light, that they understand, they follow Jesus, yet they can't stand her. They never talk to him and I will literally cross the street to avoid that family. You see how it's not lining up? And the apostle John's calling them out. Today gets real. Today gets personal. He's like, listen, you're saying that you love God and that you understand this love and this relationship and that you're in the light or in the know, yet I see how you're treating others. Strong language. But John really believes, Grandpa John, I should say, really believes that we need to deal with this. We need to not avoid that person at all costs. Now, hate here doesn't speak of just having a bad evening. I had a bad afternoon at work, you know, an altercation in the church parking lot. The word hate here in the original means to pursue with hatred, to detest. So John wasn't talking about, you know, just someone had a bad day. I mean, I have bad days and I say things I shouldn't say or do things I shouldn't do. But to live a continual lifestyle of hatred and ill will toward another is what he's addressing. And this was happening. It happens today in churches. I hear stories from pastors that would just blow your mind. You're like, where is Jesus in all this? But then again, I get it. They don't really know. Like the light has been revealed. The revelation is there. Full, full relationship is available. But they're choosing to go another route. They're not choosing really who God has made them to be at the very center and the core of their being, the original blueprint of a lover of humanity. And he says, you are definitely in darkness. If, if there's anyone that you despise, that you avoid, that you can't stand, that you, you know, talk behind their back about, that's called gossip, by the way. Um, if you're speaking ill of another, then he's saying, listen, you're in darkness. You're living in complete ignorance. You're saying one thing and you're living another. Listen, I'm not trying to be hard on anyone this morning. I just, I want us to get to this place where no matter what happens around us, no matter how crazy people act around us, that our, our initial reaction, our knee-jerk reaction is to love that person. And how many know that's not always easy? But I believe it's doable. Because John's saying it is, and he's saying, listen, if you're saying one thing and you're doing another, you don't know Jesus like you thought you knew Jesus. No condemnation here this morning. But, but I want us to really, truly live out kingdom. And kingdom is built on love. You know, James said this, the Apostle James, he says, if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. How many see that happen all the time? Let me just, most of you know this, but you're not going to solve issues on social media. You putting your comment in there, I mean, I, I mean, maybe it's happened, like one out of 50 million, 
But I've never seen someone go, oh my gosh, I see the light. Thank you so much for sharing with me. No, usually the thread goes on and on and on and gets more, you know, gets, gets more worse, gets more worse and gets more hateful. I'm just being honest. And you begin to devour one another. And then sometimes you even forget what the heck you were talking about in the first place. And now you demonize that person. I'm telling you, it happens all the time. But Jesus said, by this sign shall all men know that you are my disciples. Or we could say followers. Someone who chooses to follow me. What? If you have love for one another. I know it all comes back to this love thing. As believers, I really truly believe that we have this this innate love for others. It's this kindred spirit. But if we're not careful, we get caught up in other worldly thoughts and systems of doing, and we start to take sides. Does that make sense? When we carry hatred for one another, we are operating so far outside of who God has made us to be. I mean, no wonder it feels so uncomfortable. No wonder it has this way of eating away at you. So Jesus says, in fact, in Matthew chapter 5, I believe, to love your enemies. You familiar with this? He says, love your enemies. He says, pray for those who persecute you. I think at least one translation says, pray for those, listen to this, pray for those who despitefully use you. (laughs) That's a dear Jesus moment right there, isn't it? I'm just trying to be real this morning. Because I don't want to make light of how people have treated you in the past or the present or how they will in the future. Broken people, they just have a way of, of just letting their hurt manifest and come out. We have to learn to see through that. And again, these are pretty powerful words from Jesus. But again, it's so hard for us sometimes to get past the, the reputation of someone or the, the demonizing that has happened to someone, especially this year in politics, right? We demonize people. And no matter what they do, it's wrong from both sides. And it gets ridiculous, to be honest. And when I see followers of Jesus getting caught up in this, I go, come on. You are wasting your breath. Where's the love? Let people believe what they're going to believe. But maybe bring them to a place where they believe there's a God who loves them. Who wants to reconnect with them because they're his creation. I know that I'm probably hitting some nerves right now, but that's okay. It's good for us sometimes to be rattled a little bit. But when I begin to feel those feelings, because guess what, Pastor Andy feels those feelings many times, I've really come to this place where I started to, or at least begin to notice my reaction in those situations. Do I join into the hateful conversation, which is really easy to do, or do I join into prayer for them? Because sometimes the hardest people to pray for are those you disagree with the most. It's easy when a friend comes up, man, I just got some needs, I'm going to pray. Yeah, brother, let's be in agreement together. But then someone says, pray for this person or that person, and you're like, what? I'm not praying for them. I don't even like them. But nowhere in the scripture does it say, thou must likest someone to prayest for them. In fact, 
I believe to get your heart more in line with the Father's heart, this is where prayer plays a big role. Because when you pray for someone, it almost brings a sense of intimacy with that person. You have to think through the process. And how many know when we're praying, we believe there's a divine being, there's God who's listening, and so we're careful what we say. And so as you're praying, you're like, wow, okay, what is this person going through? What can I do to pray for this person? But again, it's so easy to demonize another person because their beliefs or their actions are different than ours. But true love says, I want you to know the truth that will set you free. And even though I don't agree with you, I'll be praying for you. Now, I'm not saying you say that to them necessarily, right? Some people are like, well, what do you mean you're praying for me? you better than me? But what I'm saying is in situations where you see someone, especially someone on social media or, or someone, you know, a politician or someone on TV or something, we have this tendency to um, talk to ourselves out loud about that person and really tell ourselves what we think are the person next to us. Sometimes we need to close our mouth for a moment, think this through, Say, Holy Spirit, what should I speak right now in this moment? And 10 times out of 10, he's going to say, good things, because guess what? That's your brother. That's your sister. Wow. Say, wow. Makes you think, doesn't it? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, again, we say this to every person we see, but it's something that we need to do, even if it's in our own private time in our heart, especially if we dislike them, if we love them, if we hate them, pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Love your enemies. Let me tell you something. I've not done this perfectly, but I've done this more than I ever have in my life because I know it's the way of Jesus and it does bring freedom. It takes pressure off. Seeds of bitterness can't root into my heart. Because when we don't go the way of Jesus and we choose the other route, guess what? It does lead to unforgiveness and hatred and bitterness and that will eat you alive. So I plead with you, I implore you, pray for those who you consider an enemy. Give it to God. Maybe you don't even know what to say. Just say, God, I'm praying for them right now. I don't even know what words to say. I'm praying for them right now. I will meditate on goodness in their life. Because most people, they respond crazy because there's some brokenness on the inside. That's why I do. But I've learned to pinpoint it. If I react a certain way to my wife, you know what? Sometimes she'll have to call me out because I don't see it. Other times I might go, whoa, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry I said it like that. I've got my own stuff I'm dealing with. This isn't you, it's me. But some people don't see that. They need the light of love to reveal those things in their heart, to bring healing and restoration to their heart. But how is that going to happen if all we do is fight and fuss and just spread the hate? What if we pray for them and we love them where they are? Imagine what kind of world we live in. I believe this is what Jesus is trying to bring. Kingdom of heaven to the earth. And where did he say heaven's located? In you. So let it out. But he goes on to say in verse 10, the one who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going. Why? Because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Here we have an ancient letter written almost 2,000 years ago with such modern 
relevant, relevance to us here and now. Wouldn't you agree? See, if we walk with Jesus, the biggest forgiver and lover of people in human history, yet harbor unforgiveness and hatred for another, whether it's those just across the aisles of the church or those just across the street or those around the world, then something doesn't add up. And John says, you're in the darkness. You're blinded by ignorance. Don't get mad at me. It's the apostle John speaking. And so I know that as we talk about this this morning, maybe there's already names or faces that have popped up in your head. And maybe this morning, Holy Spirit is saying, will you pray for them rather than badmouth them? Will you forgive them? Will you let them off the hook? But they don't deserve it. It's not about deserving it. Forgiveness is offered whether you think people deserve it or not. Another thing that, that Jake has said to me, it's just so powerful is, and this is why it's so important, what we believe the cross represents. And maybe one of these days we'll get into some different atonement theories because it's really interesting. But a majority of the early church believed that the cross was this full demonstration of love. It wasn't so much paying God back because he needed a sacrifice in order to be okay with us. God was okay with us all through human history. I mean, if Jesus is God in flesh, he hung out with sinners all the time. He forgave sin all the time. He healed them whether or not they deserved it because that's what love does. But he's trying to introduce us to the real us so that we can begin to walk in this new way that he's already provided. Does that make sense? But what happens sometimes is for those of us who think that God has to have a sacrifice. Let me give you another example. You've heard this before, Adam and Eve in the garden. How many are familiar with the creation story, the Hebrew poem, Genesis? So you have Adam representing man and Eve representing woman. And what happens? They disobey. They sin. Does God leave them? Mm -mm. In fact, he comes to them. And I believe he says, you're forgiven. You know why? He offers a sacrifice. God offered the sacrifice for them to feel comfortable with him, not the other way around. How do we get this backwards? It's just, it's just the, the lens that we go to the scripture with. It's so important, isn't it? But here's what happens a lot of time. I've heard Jake say this as powerful is that a lot of times before we can forgive someone, we're looking for a sacrifice from them. And that sacrifice could be as simple as this. I'm sorry. We're like, unless you give me the sacrifice of, and I'm sorry, I'm not forgiving you. But yet Jesus says, forgive, forgive others as I've forgiven you, which is whether you deserve it or not. There's something strong about this forgiveness thing. When you let people off the hook, when they feel like there's a clean slate, I think they better understand who they truly are. It gets us to a point to receive the goodness that God has already provided to us. Someone maybe need to hear that this morning. But listen, it's, it's not about warm, fluffy feelings. I don't always feel warm and fluffy, right? 
I don't always feel that way even when I'm forgiving someone. It's not like you have to have warm, fluffy feelings with every single person every day, but it's about offering forgiveness to all who might offend you. Let me take it a step further. Even getting to the place where you've already forgiven people before they have. So it's already ready to go. Oh, they offended me? You're forgiven. Ha <laughs> ha. Wouldn't that be like freedom to live in? But most of us think, no, they're, they're getting over on me. They're, they're getting away with something. Guess what? Nobody ever gets away with anything. Unfortunately, you reap what you sow. So the actions will pay them back. You don't have to. And God in his mercy sometimes in my own life has, has relinquished those things. And I haven't really had to pay full price for what I did. But as far as God's concerned and we're concerned, forgiveness is something we offer whether we get the apology or not. Whether they deserve it or not. It's something we do because that's how we live. We live in love. Is this making sense? So again, you don't have to feel warm, fluffy. I don't feel like forgiving them. You don't have to. You just forgive them. I don't feel like I really forgave them all the way. It's okay. Just offer the forgiveness. Are you following me this morning? It doesn't mean that every person in the world is your best friend. Because everyone won't be your best friend. But we genuinely love our fellow man. I love this in the message translation. He says, anyone who claims to live in God's light and hates a brother or sister is still in the dark. It's the person who loves brother and sister who dwells in God's light and doesn't block the light from others. But whoever hates is still in the dark, stumbles around in the dark, doesn't know which end is up, blinded by what? The darkness, blinded by ignorance. I love what he says here. He says, doesn't block the light from others. See, a lot of times when we aren't living love, we're not truly loving others. We're convoluting the light for others who are looking. are looking for hope, looking for light, looking for a new sense of direction in their life. And we, as the followers of Jesus, sometimes we can convolute the light because we're not even living out the love that's already within us. And that's what the Apostle John is dealing with. Have you ever met a Christian and thought, wow, please don't tell anybody you're a Christian? You're like, yeah, Pastor Andy, a few years ago, uh, we were thinking about you. <laughs> it's like, don't tell people you're a Christian. Don't tell them. You're... First of all, what does the word Christian mean? Christ-like. And I've said this before. You've probably heard this before online. or I don't know what camera we're on, but you've probably heard this before online. But, but the word Christian means Christ-like. So now if someone says, are you a Christian? I say, well, watch my life for a little while and you tell me. I think others should be the ones who would call us a Christian or Christ-like. Just a little way to think about it. Because what happens is the world, I think many times they look at the church and they just see this hating, backbiting, bickering set of individuals and they want nothing to do with it. And John says, you have become a blockage. People who are groping for the light, who are searching for hope, they can't see it because you're blocking it. And they're confused by your lifestyle. You say God loves you out of one side of your mouth, but I can't stand you out of the other. So John has to deal with this, just like I believe we need to today. He's saying if you really know Jesus, if you spend time watching and walking and working with Jesus, guess what? You'd act differently. We could sum it up like this. Spend a day with Jesus and you'd forgive 
everyone. In fact, you'd forgive anyone. That's how God is. God is just like Jesus. And we are just like Jesus. But some of us, we don't know it yet. We have to awaken to that. So listen, no condemnation this morning. If this is rattling your cage a little bit, that's okay. Sometimes when my cage gets rattled, it just awakens me to where I really am in life. And then it awakens me to the truth and reality of who I really am and saying, Holy Spirit, help me to walk out the truth, not a lie, the truth of who I am. But look at this last portion, really repetitive. He says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. He goes on, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. So he just lists off all these different age groups and people in different walks of life. Now, scholars are divided on this. In my studies, one group says it's all about age. That's what John's addressing. Others say it's all about different stages and seasons of life. But let me pose this question. What if it's both? What if John is addressing both? New people and veterans, young and in between and old, different people at different stages of life. And you notice how it doesn't go in sequence? He says children, fathers, young men, fathers, young men. John is making a very incredible statement here. That every age group and every stage has beauty to it. So embrace it. Empathize with where people are. And that we need to appreciate each other in every season. Dads, moms, Single folks, unbelievers, new believers, veteran believers. The church, I believe, is to be a demographic of every season, every stage, and every person. If it isn't, then something is not right. Something's off. If as a church we radiate a certain field of people where certain people don't feel welcome, something is off. Because I'm telling you, all people except religious, righteous, self-righteous folks gravitated toward Jesus. There was something about this Jesus who offered love and grace and forgiveness to everyone and anyone. I want to be that kind of church. And I believe we are most of the time. But I also know this, that each and every one of us here, we're on a journey. So let me say this to you who are here and say this to you online. You're more than welcome to come visit us. We'd love to have you here. Whatever race, creed, lifestyle, whoever you are, you're welcome in this place. 
and know that Pastor Kristen and Pastor Andy and the leadership, we have meetings and talks about things like this to say everyone is welcome and the Holy Spirit is big enough to deal with them in every situation on a journey. We need to be here for them and show grace and extend love. But let me just tell you something. Not every person in the congregation at all times is on that same level or in the same place. So you may come to our building and experience something that makes you feel like you're less than. Just know we don't agree with that. Do you hear me? doesn't mean that person's a bad person. It means they haven't awakened to who they truly are and they're not walking out kingdom. Shoot, there could, be, there could be mornings that you come here and you're like, wow, Pastor Andy didn't say hi to me or he kind of huff and puff when he went by. Yeah, he was probably irritated about something because guess what? I don't always walk in love 24-7. So we all have opportunities to offer grace and forgiveness, don't we? But I want you to know that this is a place where everyone is welcome. Right where you are in life, Baggage and all. Because we all have baggage. It's just how much are we hiding? <laughs> right? Come on now. I almost felt the Holy Ghost up in here. But here's the thing. The foundation for all of relationship in the kingdom and within this group or this congregation is what? Four-letter word. Great four-letter word. Love. We love. So in conclusion this morning, who is my brother? I mean, who is my brother? Anyone, we could say even who is your sister, because that's what they're saying. Who is your fellow human being? Anyone you come into contact with, because we all have the same source. Paul reminds us on Mars Hill that we are all the genos or genos of God, the offspring, that in him we live, move, and have our being. That'll get you to start treating people differently in a good way, amen? And what are we called to do when it comes to our brothers and our sisters? To love them. In fact, how do others know that we are followers of Jesus or his disciples? By our love for one another. And it's not just the folks that go to the church who believe the same way you do. It's all humanity. So we have a choice. The choice is to walk in the darkness that blinds us or the light that binds us. Say that with me. The darkness that blinds us or the light that binds us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity for all of us to get together and to look into the letters of John, to look into the scriptures, to worship together, to hear your voice, Holy Spirit. You're still speaking today. It's that still small voice. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would help us to honor and celebrate every person in this community of believers, every person in our local community, every person who we would call a neighbor. Whether they agree with us, whether they live the same way as us, that we would choose to love. And, and then through that, allow you, Holy Spirit, to work on those hearts. I mean, some people just, they're lost. They, I mean, you've talked about it, Jesus. You came to seek and to save the lost. That word save is, is sozo. You came to bring them deliverance and preservation and safety and healing and wholeness and restoration. Let us be the agent that brings salvation to others. I pray that it wouldn't be hindered by 
our own ways of thinking or doing or how we've been indoctrinated or brought up that we would say, I have to wipe the slate clean in some of my thinking here and realize that you have called me to love others. However that looks. It can be different for each of us and each facet of relationship that we have. Say this with me, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for your goodness. I receive that in Jesus' name. If there's any area in my heart where I'm not loving either myself or others, show that to me, Holy Spirit. And Jesus, I give you permission to bring healing, restoration, and wholeness to those areas of my life. I believe in you. I have faith that you can do this. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Did you receive that this morning? Again, don't get mad at me. Get mad at the Apostle Paul. You know, Grandpa, Grandpa, or Apostle Paul. How about Apostle John? Get mad at him too. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's, it's really hard to, to walk this life. And it seems so simple. And I believe the gospel is simple. We can make it really complicated with our hoops and our hurdles and other things. But, you know, to truly walk in love is not always easy. And like I said before, sometimes the hardest people to walk in love toward are the people that we know the most who are closest to us. So maybe that's where your prayer begins. Help me, Heavenly Father, with this son or this daughter or this wife or this husband or this aunt or this uncle. Maybe it starts there. But I believe a lot of times when you, I said it earlier, but I want to remind us, when we pray for others, it opens us up, I believe, to receive that love that, that God has already put in our heart, right? But to receive it, to embrace it, and then give that to others. So I encourage you to do that this week. And if there's anyone that you're even thinking of now, you're thinking, I can't release that person. Listen, just take some time this week with it. And just, Peter tells us to cast our care on the Lord, right? Why? Because he cares for us. So sometimes you got to cast that on him. That word cast means to hurl, to throw. It's like heavy sometimes. you got to throw it as hard as you can and say, Jesus, take the wheel, right? Jesus, take this from me and cast that care on him. You don't have to feel like you're forgiving enough to forgive others. You just release them with your words. Words are powerful. Amen. So I encourage you, come back next week. We'll continue here in letters from a friend. Until then, uh, we love you. We're praying for you guys. And we'll see you real, real soon. Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. 